The Christopher Peter Review provides original content discussing salient current events impacting our public policy, economic outcomes, and overall society. My name is Christopher Peter and I welcome you to the Christopher Peter Review. I am a political economist who provides original content in the form of weekly podcasts on the Christopher Peter Review podcast and daily commentary on the Christopher Peter Review Perspective site. My goal is to provide objective commentary focused on effective and efficient problem-solving and idea generation that affords the greatest number of people the greatest amount of good. Please experience content on the Christopher Peter Review as it becomes available. My name is Jennifer Smith and I welcome you to our podcast. Our approach in the content you experience on the Christopher Peter Review is centered on facts, evidence, and data. Our podcasts are free of hysteria, partisan agendas, or promotion of any political party, candidate or organization. Simply what are the best ideas and solutions for our people, our economy, and America? Now, let us begin this podcast episode of the Christopher Peter Review. In this episode of the Christopher Peter Review, I am going to lead a discussion on the issue of monopolies, providing a realistic perspective of why monopolies exist, the good, the bad, and the risk with them, and how economies should address them. There are always multiple sides of an argument not the common cliché of the truth, lies, and somewhere in between. In this case, there is the prevailing opinion, the counter-argument, and the compromise position. We naturally have a negative connotation in America for monopolies because of our traditional view of market competition and the perception of greedy all-powerful corporations. But, other societies hold differing views of monopolies. View them as the norm or preferred choice. So which is right? The right answer depends largely on what perspective you are viewing the question from. It is important that each of us understand the varying points of view and why each side believes they are right and the other side is wrong. And understand opportunities for compromise. And in our society, there are compromises on this subject, which we will discuss a bit later. As always, let us start with defining the problem. What is a monopoly? A company is said to be a monopoly where they are the only provider of a good or service. In such an environment, that organization or provider enjoys extreme control over the market price charged to consumers as well as the quantity available for sale. They may also have the ability to influence who can enter and compete against them. In many free enterprise societies, it is hard to be a true monopoly because any person could potentially become a competitor. But, an organization can enjoy the same benefits of a monopoly if it can keep competitors at a relatively low number, using market price control power to prevent producers with a higher cost structure from entering the market. Market price control is important. Companies gain the ability to improve efficiency through economies of scale in their operations and their supplier networks. An organization with market price power can afford to lower their profitability to eliminate the profitability of another organization. The biggest challenge for new producers is being able to compete on price because they have not been in operation long enough to achieve that economies of scale. Even with contract manufacturing a new producer is not able to guarantee the volume needed to secure favorable pricing early on. As time goes on and more data is available, producers are able to gain efficiency and increase profitability essentially by spreading their fixed costs over a greater number of products generated. And enable greater savings by allowing suppliers to spread their fixed costs over more products sold. If the market price is dropped, then that cost curve new producers aim to achieve can be catastrophically altered. Economics tells us that a business can in theory remain viable for time if it can cover their variable costs. History tells us that a business riddled with debt without the ability to refinance in a cost-effective manner is doomed to fail. Dropping the market price will require smaller providers to come with a certain range of that price or lose their customer base back to the dominant player. Of course, there are ways to differentiate your product portfolio to not exclusively compete on price, 
But for new small providers, the time is not there to make those campaigns stick before you potentially become a victim of your financial situation. So you get the gist of how a monopoly can cause a problem to an industry in a free enterprise economy. But let us go one step further in defining the problem, which is from the consumer perspective. Ideally, an effective market would allow consumers the ability to find goods and services that meet their individual needs and wants and be able to purchase them at a price they can afford. We all have differing individual needs and wants. For instance, I may prefer something that is more value conscious, while Jennifer may prefer something that is more luxurious. Both of us should be able to find that in a marketplace. Monopolies tend to not give consumers choice. Variety is generally not good for operational efficiency. So it best serves the producers to limit the choice set, ideally to one, which would maximize profitability and allow for less manufacturing turnover. Any person in marketing or with a business or economics degree is familiar with the saying credited to Henry Ford saying that car buyers can have any color painted on their vehicle as long as it is black. For a monopoly, less variance is always more profitable. If Apple did not have competitors, do you really think you would see a variety of colors for iPhones? Of course not. Given their marketing genius, you might see them engage with customers to determine the color for the new releases. But, generally you want to be able to run a production line without delays for changing setups to meet different offerings. As you know, more expensive items tend to have more expensive parts or materials in them. Either you maintain separate manufacturing facilities or alter production runs to accommodate the supply needs of each offering. Choice is an important aspect of our economy. But choice is generally a product of a competitive market environment. As you could infer from our conversation to this point, a monopoly would be hesitant to compete against itself by offering a substitute. It would create the fiscal challenges of competition without any competition. Rather one would cross that bridge when needed. Consumers benefit when businesses have to compete for their money. When they have to make the argument of why you should spend your hard-earned money on their products and services rather than the ones from their competitors. Why their products and services are better quality or better suited for you than the alternatives. The continual competition will lead to better outcomes for the consumer and spur innovation that will advance industries and lead to a better society overall. Everything is needed in moderation, which the market generally handles on its own. In a highly competitive marketplace, it may be difficult to determine quality across numerous product offerings. A challenge may be that a market that is growing will create opportunities for not only the well-intentioned, but those seeking to make a quick buck on knock-offs or exploit potential consumer information gaps. This is generally why brand names are so important because it gives consumers a sense of quality without having to possess in-depth knowledge about the product offerings. There is a really interesting study in a Harvard business case where it discusses that every industry will eventually become defined by three main providers. I believe it was called the rule of three. Maybe two dominant brands and another third brand. While there may be others, three providers will be the major players. This is really what we see in the soft drinks industry, right? and what is happening largely in the beer industry as well. For soft drinks, you have Coca-Cola serving the people who know what soda should taste like and Pepsi for people who like a sweeter and soon-to-be flat style of soda. Although Mountain Dew is pretty good. Then Dr. Pepper Snapple offers alternatives to the two. There are other smaller providers but the industry is generally defined by products from those three. If you see Coke, Pepsi, or Dr. Pepper, you know you are getting a quality product. Eventually, Market competition will push poor performers out of the marketplace or regulators will cease operations of those looking to make a ill-gotten dollar off of an unsuspecting consumer. As the saying goes, the cream rises to the top. American consumers see the value of choice and competition. If we are not happy, 
Many like to use the threat of doing business with a competitor in order to secure better terms. Some do not always value choice and competition in markets. From a business owner perspective, you can see why one would want their organization to be a monopoly. But, we must question why some governments still support the idea of national monopolies. Why do some American politicians support the idea of single provider solutions to our greatest social issues? Many nations are brand conscious. But, I think Americans value having a diversity of brands to choose from whereas some nations will galvanize a single national leader. If you have been outside of America or know people who migrated here, you have heard them talk about how our grocery stores offer a wider variety of cereal than most places in the world. There are many places that still believe that the government is an effective decider for how an economy can best meet the needs of its people. That the government is the best planner for economic production. Despite the evidence that it is not. Centrally planned economies are not sustainable. And it is dangerous when you have a political system that completely monopolizes and nationalizes distribution of products and services. The obsession with the efficiency aspect is what makes some sympathetic towards the monopoly structure. Why those on the far left want government-centric healthcare markets. Despite seeing the negative outcomes of the government-centric student loan market. The politicians obsess over the government's interest rather than the consumer interest. Essentially trading spots with investors. The best solutions are market-driven solutions. The government simply is not the best at determining what is best for society. Therefore the complete economic power cannot be monopolized. Market forces are much better at determining what should be produced, by allowing consumers to tell producers directly what they are willing to buy, how much they are willing to pay, and when they want to buy it. Also, allowing producers to take that information and make competitive offerings that meets the market's needs. The great aspect of our market economy is that producers do not have to feel like they need to meet every consumer need out there. Many will determine which consumer segments are most efficient for them to meet and let others serve the needs and wants of the other consumer groups. Where the government can assist in supporting competition is providing tax incentives to encourage producers to meet needs of market segments that are missed. We do not need a government option. Rather market incentives to stimulate growth in certain areas is appropriate. So let us transition to how the government prevents monopolies. There are a couple landmark legislation that ban activities and behaviors that create monopolistic markets. For instance, the Sherman Act is the landmark legislation that is the basis for our antitrust views that exist today. The Sherman Act bans anti-competitive behaviors and activities that create monopolies. Companies cannot engage in price fixing, which harms consumer outcomes and creates essentially a monopoly for those in that trust who are doing the price fixing. Another key legislation was the Clayton Act that built upon the Sherman Act but took further lessons since then to allow the federal government to ensure that markets are competitive. There are rules on how concentrated a market can be. You might have heard of the Herfindahl-Hirschman Index, which measures the market concentration of an industry. This can lead to the government opposing mergers or acquisitions. Other laws have occurred since to create agencies to handle and address market conditions. But generally the position the federal and state governments take is that monopolies are bad for the economy. Generally, there are exceptions to every rule. A popular known exception is the fact that Major League Baseball enjoys an exemption from antitrust laws. It has no competition. The only sports league in America that enjoys that status. Although the other major sports leagues essentially have little competition because of the cost barriers that exist, we do see small football leagues like the USFL and XFL. Or basketball tournaments all of which compete outside of the NFL or NBA schedule. But, many states still protect energy producers from competition. Although some states have deregulated markets to allow competitive offerings, lowering the price for homeowners.
A big exemption to rules against collusion is with respect to collective bargaining. Labor unions are able to collude to secure higher salaries and better benefits. Keep in mind, some companies, like pharmaceuticals and tech, may enjoy temporary monopoly statuses because of intellectual property rights or patents that allow them a period to recoup the research and development expenses. While we take the stance that monopolies are bad, it is another area where we are situational with respect to our espoused principle. There always is a need for policymakers to be on the lookout for markets that may become less competitive over time. While the rule of three is where markets will eventually end up, some economic conditions can cause reactive efforts by businesses to consolidate seeking growth through efficiency when new customers are not available. Stagnant economic conditions, like the current one, can encourage producers to combine operations, especially if one feels like its ability to survive on its own is threatened. Sometimes it is better to ensure that the brands survive even if the organization is no more. For those who follow the blog, I spoke a lot during the Obama era about how corporatism was harming our economy, which was driven by the consolidation in that environment. The combined entities enjoy greater control and also have greater ability to influence national and local business rules. Consider the impact of when a corporation decides to relocate because it receives better tax breaks from another municipality. Ideally, we would hope that communities would maintain low tax levels that would prohibit the need for tax breaks. But many high tax environments provide sweetheart deals for businesses that are viewed as too big to lose. Monopolies do not serve the interests of our society, economy, or general well-being. Market competition is important. Choice is important. We should not want our governments to permit or create monopolies. This is why we should strongly oppose the idea of markets having a government option, which would eventually create a monopoly. In the market for student loans, many lenders backed out of the market because the federal government created an environment unfriendly to their business. The rule setter should never be an active participant in the marketplace. Welcome to the CRC Conversation segment of the podcast, where we discuss leading current events impacting our economy, public policy, and society. Let us begin with a hot topic in our foreign policy space. There is a growing closeness between our leading military adversary with our main economic rival, which has been growing for some time. The realigning of the world powers is quite troubling as America has experienced many setbacks on the world stage and our allies are not as prepared to stand tall to new threats that are beyond the non-state threats where we have a technological and military advantage. Are we prepared for the current and future threats to our collective world order? My name is Brad from the CRC team. The world is changing. But not in a good way. A world that was in a tense state of peace is now in chaos, fractured and divided. Our enemies continue to grow closer together. Russia, China, Iran, and North Korea. And their collective interests are aligning with a shared world vision that runs directly counter towards America's and our allies' positions on the world stage. Russian President Vladimir Putin visited Beijing last year laying the foundation for greater engagement. Chinese leader Xi Jinping returned the favor recently visiting Moscow, where Russia and China formally declared friendship and made promises for trade and other engagement, although not much details were not released. Iran is assisting the Russian war effort with supplies of drones, even working to set up manufacturing closer to the battlefield. Cannot be a random coincidence that North Korea parades its new military toys with dog and pony show to make their rogue nation feel confident in its might then we start seeing balloons floating in our airspace. Russia then starts provoking American military equipment. And China starts to fill the gaps of influence left behind by American pullback in many strategic areas. This is a troubling era with a new world order forming. All the while we read stories from the New York Times confirming what many feared for a while that we are providing equipment and munitions faster than our contractors can manufacture it and before we can restock our cupboards. 
the same problems are occurring with our allies who too are supplying a war effort where they have little visibility in the tactics being used and without any certainty that there is a sustainable path to victory. America should stand on the side of freedom, democracy, and sovereignty. But, do we want to know that there is a chance for peace and that we are not funding a never-ending proxy war? I highly admire the efforts and patriotism of the Ukrainian soldiers and moreover, the people with little prior training stood up for their nation and homeland. Hopefully there is a path towards peace where a solution can end this invasion and prevent a global escalation. The situation embodies the global divide, where there is a clear communist East versus democratic West. Democracy must prevail and lives in that region must be protected. But we must see leadership that is determined to bring this conflict to a close and, more importantly, hold those who invade accountable. Not an easy task. But, there is a reason why nations choose a time and place to act on their aggression. It is clear that China has exploited what they perceive to be weakness on our part and an opportunity to position itself as a new world superpower. This coming from a nation that had its own recent setbacks with COVID and still is avoiding any real accountability in its role of fueling a global pandemic. The real challenge is whether we have the resolve and the leadership in place to advance our interests and principles of democracy, freedom, and peace that we once stood for. Our leaders talk the talk but are often soft-spoken when adversaries openly defy their stance. For instance, the Biden administration did not think it was important that China or Russia fear the president, rather that the president's foreign policy agenda come to fruition. Maybe other leaders do not have to fear Biden, but I cannot imagine this is the foreign policy he pictured when coming into office. This is quite the nightmare. I fear that the conflict in Ukraine might be a prolonged engagement, which is not good for either side. Especially if we are giving out supplies faster than we can produce and have little insight to see whether there is a sustainable path to victory. Over time, I fear that the numbers game in terms of troop strength will not be on our side, if we continue this as a proxy war. The questions of leadership from the Biden administration should not stop at the foreign policy arena. Here at home, there is potential for a major economic recession, more impactful than the current one. More troubling is the clear deterioration of our major cities and the perpetually increases in crime, violence, and homelessness in many areas. Yet, the institutions that are meant to hold those in power accountable are focused on rehashing the past to cover for the present blunders. My name is Adriana and welcome. Former President Donald Trump has been out of office for over two years now, but still commands the airways more so than his successor. There is a great effort by Democrats and the media to prevent the return to the White House by Trump. But, in reality, Trump is doing a greater job of putting up obstacles for his own return than anything Democrats have done. The supposed indictment is turning out to be a farce. Especially after Trump, and others, pointed out the clear political motives highlighting the lack of prosecution of the crime that is plaguing our largest city, but something that happened nearly a decade ago seems to be top of mind of the fledgling district attorney. Our federal government is not experiencing its best moment. I am not sure there are many Americans who can objectively and honestly say things are going great. Everything is fine. Nothing to see here. Instead, we have seen so much strife, so many challenges, and so much decline. Surprising when we expected to turn the corner. We thought we were past the point of needing to bail out banks. But, the current policymakers once again made that a thing again. Funny. Trump sought to make America great again. Biden is making America bail out banks again. While Trump really is the chaotic dumpster fire at times, he is not the person on record for the current decline Americans are plagued with. 
Americans spoke and gave Joe Biden the opportunity to lead America. And those people who made that choice were clearly wrong. I think we rather tolerate a mean tweet or news fodder of him provoking liberal outrage if we are secure in our employment opportunities, see growth in our retirement accounts and investments, and experience safety and security domestically and abroad. Nothing is going right. I think Americans might regret giving Biden the opportunity. But, I also think returning to Trump is not the right move either. We need a new vision for the future. Politics is a results business. I never accept the rhetoric of an elected official blaming their predecessors for outcomes that are directly tied to their executive orders or policy positions. The objective truth is that America is not where anyone thought we would be from an economic standpoint, social perspective, or security aspect. Once again the world is embroiled in a global conflict. Not with a non-state entity that America and our allies have a military and strategic advantage over. But, with nuclear nations aligning with a combined arsenal that should raise alarm. Domestically, the administration has not been that calming presence able to lower the temperature and balance our need for community safety with police accountability. Rather we continue to see violence, crime, anger events, and police still behaving inappropriately at times. We are not in hopeful times. Many hope to keep their jobs as companies are now viewing efficiency and cost savings as the key to their future. Many in our cities are hoping that at the very least their vehicles will still be in the parking lots when they leave work or shopping. With a catalytic converter in place. Or that they can survive a subway ride and avoid harassment or assaults. There is some legitimacy to the position that governments are ineffective at legislating decency. But, I feel like it is wrong for leaders to cede moral ground to the people in society that harm others or create negative externalities. At times, it is hard to see whose interests are the federal and certain state governments trying to advance. The law-abiding, hard-working, Americans or the criminal element in the fringe. The results are clear. The current status quo is not really working. Finally, the economy is showing more clear signs of decline. We keep being told that our economy is strong. Our fundamentals are sound. In reality, they are not. There are not many economists who hold a positive outlook for the state and future state of our economy. For some time, our elected officials held on to the idea that if employment remained strong that the messaging would stick. Clearly employment is clearly a problem as corporate profits are drying up and there are more costs and challenges plaguing the business community. My name is JP and welcome. Companies that drove employment gains during and since the pandemic are acknowledging that the increases to their employee rosters were a mistake. A mistake that many are trimming back now. Also, there are more reports that the number of job postings are declining significantly than last year. A recent story claimed that many of the available job posts that you see on leading online job boards are not real or not actually being recruited for. This is troubling for people trying to gain new opportunities to hedge against inflation. Or people who sat out from the economy because their field did not compensate properly. The labor market is shifting from a worker market now to a company market. For a long time, employers struggled mightily to find willing and able workers. Now, they may start saying thanks, but no thanks. Also, there has been little success in our fight against inflation. The increases in interest rates have levied great cost on producers and consumers, but did little to achieve sizable reduction in prices. Now, we see potential supply issues popping back up. And worse, more banks are facing challenges to their ability to service their customers, following the failures of Silicon Valley Bank, Signature Bank, and the bailed-out Credit Suisse. Not a great economic period for America and the world. We have certainly not built back better. 
The most important institution in America is our economy because it drives everything else. It funds our national defense, our social safety nets, and our ability to invest in our nation's future. The current stewards of our economy have failed. So it is not surprising that changes to the economic team were recently made. Hoping that new faces and ideas could reverse the decline. But, are there new ideas for how to approach our economic issues or new ideas on how to market the current economic vision that is failing so many Americans? There is not a messaging problem. There is an idea and performance problem. The wrong ideas are creating the wrong outcomes. The issue is not that the Biden agenda is not working as intended. It might be and that may be the problem. To recap this episode, we discussed monopolies from the producer perspective, the consumer perspective, and the regulatory perspective. We discussed the benefits associated with monopolies as well as the benefits of competitive markets. In the current environment, market consolidation is a real threat, but the government seems to be taking a more aggressive stance to protect competition. An industry to watch is healthcare. Many healthcare markets, like New York, are already concentrated, which is not proving good for consumers. Interestingly, its largest provider is not at all the best. There was a commercial in the past saying when banks compete, you win. When producers compete, consumers win. In closing, I thank Jennifer and the team for their continued contributions to this podcast. I especially thank the audience for taking the time to experience this episode of the Christopher Peter Review Podcast. We truly appreciate your viewership and continue to collaborate to ensure we offer you common sense and informative content. Please continue to visit us at www.crcrvw.com for new content and explore the content channels available. Thank you once again for experiencing this podcast episode and we will see you next time.